Peace and blessings, and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast, where we introduce you to your future favorite artists today and give flowers to those who keep the spirit and culture of hip hop alive. And today I have an artist who not only brings spirit and scripture to the culture, he brings a defined message through his music. Please introduce yourself to the people. My name is Merkaba. Okay. And we're going to get real deep on this one. So if you're not a deep person, either cut this off or sit down and learn something. Because now you've entered the realm of spiritual hip hop. No doubt. Tell me about yourself first and when you started rhyming. Okay, I started, uh, I can remember rhyming back the first time was I was in second grade. And it was in the form of me, uh, this is way back, you know, I'm from the old school, so this was back in the, in the 80s. So uh, I started uh, basically playing the snap game, you know, telling jokes about each other, trying to joke, and I was doing it in a, in a rhyme form. And the people were like, oh, he's trying to rap, he's trying to rap. You know, and back then I was familiar with some hip hop because in 84 I had uh, this, this, this record called Electric Breakdance, and it had uh, Run DMC on it. It had uh, Furious Five on it, and it had uh, Nucleus Jam on it. So I became familiar in, in uh, grade school age about hip hop, and that was the first time I actually tried to rhyme. And then as I got older throughout grade school, I would try to write poetry in, in rap forms, and it didn't really work for me until I got up until like high school age. And then by the time I got out of high school, that's when I started taking it seriously as far as traveling and performing. I feel that, because if you were, you're from where? Indiana. I see. That's where this, com this conversation takes a turn for me because shout out to Indiana because when you're um when, when you live in a New York bias, which we don't have on Heritage Hip Hop, mm -hmm. you 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 don't have the perspective of the world because the world is in your one place. I'm from New Jersey. Right, right. So Jersey didn't have the New York bias. We had the stigma of that's them. We need to be us. Right. Indiana has always been a, we're here, but we watch you. Right. That's what I learned when I was in Indiana at one time. Right, right. Tell me about Indiana's culture and how hip hop grew into the Indi Indiana, Indiana type culture. Well, really, to be honest, uh, I felt like in my small town, I live, I live about an hour northeast of the capital in a small college town called Muncie, Indiana, which is the home of Ball State University. And, uh, in my particular town, I sort of felt like I was carrying the banner for hip hop in a place where there was minimal culture, you know, but I knew that in some of the larger cities in Fort Wayne and uh, in India and stuff like that, there was uh, people that were involved in the culture as far as breaking and graffiti and, and emceeing at, you know, in the early days, you know, when it dispersed out from New York and it started becoming known by the, you know, the rest of the country. But uh, I, I really, uh, as time went by, the state has grown, you know, city to city as far as its development. And there's always been fans of hip hop since the beginning here in uh, the state. But yeah, like I said, in my in my small town, I felt like me and a select few that I rode with were like the uh, carrying the banner for it, for the culture. So you talked about being cognizant of hip hop in the 80s. You, when you look at 80s hip hop, early hip hop had one distinct message that was bravado. Exactly. 
I run better than you. I look better than you. Your girl likes me better than you. Right. All that. As the 80s turned into the 90s, though, especially around 87 to about 94, that's when spiritual influences started coming into hip-hop. And we start seeing God bodies and five percenters. No doubt. How much did that type of hip-hop um, make your ear grow and make you want to go deeper into the culture and even yourself? I mean, uh, it influenced me greatly uh, from KRS-One, You Must Learn, uh, the remix, the, the video version of it, where mm -hmm. at the beginning he, he speaks on uh, Shem and he talks about the Bible and stuff like that, to Poor Righteous Teachers, to King's Son, to uh, Brand Nubian, you know, all of these artists, you know, and Rakim and Big Daddy Kane, they had, you know, spiritual elements to their raps too, as far as at an early time, I started hearing things that several artists would say, and I was trying to understand what they meant. It was like they were talking in code. So that began my journey of trying to decipher what they were saying. It wasn't just slang. It was, it was, it was the, uh, they were talking about 120 and uh, Supreme Mathematics and stuff like that in the, in the, uh, in the lyrics. So that influenced me greatly as far as from the beginning, I was already at a young age in my uh, teens. I was already, I was, I'm not, I was never a church going person, but I was, I, I studied the Bible because I had a friend in school that was telling me about revelation, about how they have this code in revelation about how you can decipher it or whatever. So I got interested in that. And then from then on, I just became immersed in the Bible and the, and the stories of the Bible. And, uh, and uh, I combined that with my knowledge of hip hop and it actually manifested partly in this, this album that I just released in February. See, part of what was really amazing when it comes to people who study or who grow through hip hop is they have some type of spiritual change in them that makes them go deeper into the culture. Like yeah. even like you said, KRS-One, he went in so far as to write a gospel of hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got it right over here on this bookshelf. I never read it, so I don't know anything about it. So you will be teaching me. And shout out to Kirk Nice of Shades of Hip Hop, because he told me a little bit about it. And that's, you know, he studied under Chris. But hip hop has taken people from the inner city and gave them spiritual identity where the world takes away their nationality and physical identity. Right. How important was it for you to find your identity and then have it reinforced to you by the music that you were listening to. Right. It, it was great because it felt like you had, you had a family uh, outside of your own family and a nation that you could, that you were part of and a, and a movement that you were part of. It, it's empowering as a youth, as an artistic youth to uh, have that feeling, to know that there's uh, people just like you all over the world that are adhering to this uh, culture because I was hip to the culture, no pun intended early on about as far as graffiti, and b-boy and i was aware of all of that i mean one of my first inspirations the first year that i got that uh that electric blake breakdance record in 84 that was, i believe that was the same year that there was a, a short film came out called the pilot and it was about this uh this woman that dressed up in a jumpsuit a flight suit and put on a pilot's uh hat and she would break and they thought she was a they thought she was a boy she they thought she was a man but that was like her secret identity and i thought that was so ill that she was like a superhero when she was breaking and that inspired me a lot as well. So I yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I mean that's what that's what hip hop did for us. It gave us new heroes, new people who shined. Like who didn't want to be Big Daddy Kane at one time, right? Yeah, right, right. You, yeah, you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I mean, 
like it gave us the identity to be something more than what school did not teach us. It right. gave us the identity to be more than what the so-called lie of going to school to get a good job was, was given to us. Hip hop gave us understanding of there's a world bigger than you that lives inside of you. Right. What was, what was the big thing inside of you that you never knew came out until you discovered hip hop and you started doing it? One thing that I can't say is, is uh, I was always a shy child growing up. And the thing that I discovered through hip hop was that in being a performer, I was, uh, stage fright was, it might've early on been an issue, but I was, I had written so much and practiced so much in, you know, in my room. By, by the time I finally got a chance to hit a stage, I, the last thing I was worried about was stage fright. I was just, you know, it was, a, it was something that, that I was good at, that I was confident at, you know? Whereas in a room, a room full of people at that age, I might've been quiet and, you know, to myself, but I could get on stage and, you know, do three 16 bar verses, you know? I feel that, I feel that. You know what, you know what's funny? Cause you talked about secret identities and being a hero. Most heroes cover themselves with names to protect the people that they're with. So they don't, um, they don't put them in danger. And others make names for themselves that reflect their character. What was your first hip hop name and what did it say about you? My first hip hop name, uh, man, there's a few of them, but the first one that I can remember, I was in high school, was Jay Smooth was my name. And it was just because I just wanted to be, you know, just fly, you know what I'm saying? And smooth, like, you know, I thought I had a smooth, I thought I had a smooth monotone approach with my lyrics. I was inspired by Guru. And that monotone approach, you know, uh, I got, you can say Nas got a little bit of a monotone, you know, approach with his vocals as well. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of shallow, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing really conscious about Jay Smooth, but after that, I had a few few different names before I finally settled on the one that I have now. Your name is Macaba. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, that's very deep Yeah. within itself. Let's get them a history lesson. Okay. So Merkaba is reflective of the book of Ezekiel and then chariot. Right, right. Tell yeah. me about why you wanted to take on the persona of the chariot that had that that taught all those who are perceptive that there's a life outside of the life you see. Right. Uh with Merkaba, it's uh, the vehicle of the divine, you know, the chariot of God. And it's a mobile chariot. It doesn't just sit, uh, it's a throne, but it's a mobile throne. So that's what the chariot is. It's like the king travels in the chariot, in this chariot, Makaba. The king means the most high. So the reason why I call myself the chariot is, is like I'm the channel for the divine inspiration of the music because sometimes I notice ever since I was young when I would write, sometimes words would come out of nowhere. They would just come to me. I'd be like, how, what, where did this come from? You know, here's two bars, three bars. Like, where's this coming from? You know, so that's what that was paying homage to that to that divine inspiration or that hidden inspiration. And also, I went by the name Merc for many years because one of my other early MC names was Merciless, and they used to call me Merc for short. Mm -hmm. And then I went by the name Merc Versus, which is short for Merc Ver Merciless versus Merciful. It's like a internal struggle. So that was a playoff Merc, and then you had Abba, which is a father because I am a father. You know, father also means you know a teacher. So Merc Abba. Also, that's another way to look at it. I appreciate all that because when you go into wordplay and the meaning of words, 
you find that there's an appreciation for an MC if you understand him. Like everybody call themselves little something today, and right. that's just a fad or a trend. That's not something that has meaning to it. Right. Even when we look at Jay-Z, it was Jazzy. You know what I'm saying? And right. Jazz was his teacher. Even when you look at um Sean P. P is still the first um initial in his last name. So yeah, yeah. he put style on his original name. Mm -hmm. When you see names like Macaba, and then you have symbols on your album cover that reflect the Ark of the Covenant, and even it has some Christian overtones like the Alpha, right. the Omega. You know what I'm saying? It right, seems right. like when somebody gets into this album, they have to prepare themselves to go on a journey, which is a chariot's duty, is to take you somewhere and the mind has to evolve around the message. Tell right. me about the cover art and what you wanted people to get from it. Well, the cover art is being the, if Merkaba is the divine, well, here's an example of the cover art right here. I got it on vinyl right here, but. Word, word. <laughs> <laughs> Being that uh, the angels are in submission is what basically the first thing that that you know catches my eye. I designed the cover art myself, and the angels are in submission. They're bowing before the Most High, and uh, the, the the crown of thorns represents suffering or struggle or sacrifice that you must go through in order to achieve. And the Alpha and the Omega, of course, and the Alpha and Omega is the beginning and the end, and that's the divine right in the middle. So it's basically it's talking about a journey. It's talking about sacrifice along the way and what rewards you receive when you sacrifice on that journey of life. And the, the bowing angels represent the reward because that's them paying homage to all of your all of your works, all of the works of the most high. And if you put yourself in a position of a divine being, uh, those sacrifices will benefit you in your life. It's written in the scriptures that no man can ever praise the most high enough that even if they were, if a man decided to be silent for the rest of his days, even the rocks would split open and praise the most high for what he does. Right. You see what I'm saying? And hip hop to me is the praising of the most high. And people will tend to say, well, why do they talk about this and this and this and this, where that's part of the life that some people live. Right. And I believe hip hop is part of the most high because he gave us free will and expression not only to tell what life is, but to praise and also to um, give record of who we are. Cause that's what he does. No doubt. Why do you think hip hop fights? Let me tell you, change that. How I ask you this? Why do you think it's profitable for some to take the spirit out of hip hop? While there's artists like you, Wu Tang artists have done it. Public Enemy still active. Why is Intelligence still active? Paris still active, yeah. to name a few. Why do you think it's so profitable for people to take the spirit out of hip hop when hip hop was born of the spirit? Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, par partying and fun are marketable. And when you bring an element of reality, sometimes the fun kind of gets pushed away off to the side. I was having this discussion with somebody uh, a few weeks ago about reggae music. I said, that's one form of music. I said, name one form of music that is praising God that you can, uh, besides, you know, like maybe some danceable gospel music that uh, praises God that you can move to, that you can groove to, that people that aren't religious even listen to. And and they didn't know. And I said, reggae music, you know, like roots reggae, right? Praise Jah. 
like uh you know conscious reggae not you know not dealing with slackness or whatever because you know that that element's present in uh in reggae music too but uh yeah so i think that it's more profitable to focus on the easily digestible thing it's like whether it's food or music the thing that's easily uh accessible is usually not the best for you that's facts house and club music is always used to praise god too you got songs like put your clothes back on I want to thank you, which is about finding somebody who loves you like you love the most high, you know, things like that. You know what I'm saying? So salute to reggae music who always keeps, you know, that, that, that alive. But, and I mean this as a but though, alternative thought. Isn't it the artist's responsibility to reflect the good rather than always give the negative that they experience? Well, you know, uh, for a mature person, for a mature person, it, it would be responsible in your own integrity and uh, to uh, have a balance in how you express yourself, but not all people are mature or responsible. That, so, that, that's yeah. a fact. But and you know, people, no, my fault. Go ahead. No, I want you to continue your thought. I know the people that pull the strings prey upon people that are immature and irresponsible, both the fans and the artists. So that's how that works. And it's sad because. When I look at the delivery of most music, it's trash. I'm not calling the artist trash though. Let me like let me be clear. Because whenever you make something from your heart, the spirit of it is different than you when you make something to make money. Right, right. And that's why I say hip hop is full of participants and not artists. Do you agree? Right, right. So how do we get rid of the participants? Do we make better music or do we call them out and trash them? What do you say? I think uh, I think that there's a place for everyone, but as far as the imbalance, I think the only way to balance it is it's gonna take a, a, a cultural movement or an awakening. I mean, there's, it, people are becoming more conscious, you know, uh, as time goes by, you know, I think things come full circle eventually, but the, the, the traditional elements have to be respected uh, and people have to learn to, to pay homage to that which came before them. And I think that's severely lacking. I think the ageism is off the chain in, uh, in the hip hop, uh, as far as the rap, the rap world, I should say, not the hip hop culture, because you know, those of us that are cultural, we pay respect to the forefathers and the, and the people before us. But I think that's one thing is that, you know, when you're a teen in your late teens, early twenties, you know, Anything that's old is not cool, <laughs> you know? So we, we, we gotta think, find a way to make it classy, to make the old stuff classy. And it is classy, but we gotta show the class. We gotta show and prove it. I agree, cause I, I call that Rehoboamism. I always ask people, do you know who Rehoboam was? And they say no, and I tell them the story of Solomon's son and right. how this, this kingdom split, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it boggles my mind because people always say something's old, but if you see the things that sell the most, they're always remake remade of older things. Right. Like when is the last time you seen Transformers? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right, yeah. Exactly. When is the last time you seen Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at my movies, yeah. Yeah, look at look at the comic book movies. Those characters came from the 40s, 50s, 30s, 20s, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we keep rehashing, but it seems like, yes, there is a reason to suppress because of number one, your skin color, of course, and how that gives you power. 
And another one is the lack of spiritual identity. I like one of the cuts on your uh, album called um let me let me get let me get my notes. Pardon me for a second. Devils and Angels. Mm-hmm. Because that talked about death. How if you hold on to something, you could be tortured, but if you let go, it can you can you can you can be given more because right. the things that are that hold you down cannot hold you anymore. You gave it up. Right. Is that not reflective of hip hop itself, do you think? Is that why you put that on there? I think that is a great deal reflective of hip hop. Uh, that goes in with the with the sacrifice of the crown of thorns. You know, it's like you have to you have to let go of certain things in life. It's just a growth period. It's like shedding your skin as you go through stages. You know, you you the, he that gives will receive. You know, that's how it works. It's give and take. It's universal law. You know, they say karma. Some say you know, what type of energy you put out there, you give back. And if you're willing to sacrifice for the sake of others, someone other than yourself. That shows. That's your book of life you're writing. People don't realize we're writing a book, you know, like you said earlier about the recordings. Each one of us is writing a, a living book, you know, and uh, our decisions are what, you know, are the lines on those pages, the decisions we make and the choices uh, we make and the people we choose to be around and the places we plan on putting ourselves or end up putting ourselves, you know, uh, that's just how I view it. I salute you for that because that's how you gave your album. Your album has an overall theme of spirituality, yet a gut check at the same time. No doubt. What was the um? Where did the see? Where did the um? The cuts come from? Where you um had the, the samples, like the, the sample. um the talking points. The the talking point on uh on devils and angels. Yes, that came from uh, Jacob's Ladder, a movie called Jacob's Ladder. You have a couple movies on there that has a lot of deep references. Right. One of my favorite tracks on the album is The Test. Tell me about that that track and where you were going with that one. The Test is the, uh, when Satan takes, I liken that to, this is all the, the the Messiah Complex, the album is the MC. So it's Mm. it's the, the, the MC being tempted by the industry on the mountaintop, right? It's by Satan, by, by, you know, corporate the corporate world or that person that wants you to put uh a little in front of your name <laughs> mm, yeah 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 so that's uh that's you know a legendary biblical tale and that's something that we all face we all come to a point at some point in time where temptation is presented to us you know and that's one of those that's one of those chapters in that self-written book of life is you know how you react when the devil or whatever force it is that might not be necessarily good for you presents an option to you, a tempting option to you, and uh, which path you choose to take. That's what the whole key of this album was to me. That's why I called it a gut check, because if you really listen to the album and not just did this all day, right? there's a lot of jewels and a lot of introspectiveness in this. I appreciate it, bro. Hey man, I have to listen to it to do the interview, right? <laughs> I might go ask you about a song. I, I start off like, but we go deep, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, you know, that's why I wanted to ask you about the album cover first. Because when I saw the name, I was like, all right, he wants some different stuff. I know what that means. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I guess you could tell by the questions I'm saying. You yeah, know yeah. What I mean? And then I'm like, okay, I look at the cover art and I'm like, mm, really? We gonna go there? So then I got into the album, and then, like, one song I really like, though, is The Heart. Where did that cutscene come from? 
man, the heart. That's that's also from uh, that's the last temptation of Christ. The thing about it was when dude said, "You don't recognize me. Who are you? I'm your heart." Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the most deepest things that people don't realize happens to them on a daily basis. Right. That's a daily test. Yeah. Will you go at what you feel is right, or will you stay humble and travel the road to righteousness? The biggest battle you'll you'll fight will be against yourself sometimes, you know? I was told taught something as a child or a teenager that I kept with me for the rest of my life. And the lesson was when you look in the mirror, what do you see? I said myself. And that person said, No, you see your reflection. Right. That's right. not you. Right. I said, whatever you give off is that's what people see. So the only thing that can make you the man or woman you want to be is how you encounter your reflection. And does it really reflect you or is it a part of you? Right. When you take the, when you take the mic and you start producing music, what do you want to, well, how do you stop giving the world your reflection and giving them the true you? I would say, you have to dig deep. You have to dig deep and you have to be honest with yourself, you know, and you have to be, uh, you have to be free. You have to have a free mind. You, you don't, you, you don't want to uh, cater to what you think people are going to like, even though it is wrapped in the package of hip hop, which, you know, is a, is soothing to a lot of our ears, you know, as far as the content goes. Sometimes it's uh, cathartic to, uh, to get things off your chest as far as, uh, that's what it's all about. It's artistic expression, you know? And a lot of people don't see it as that. They see it as a, a opportunity, you know, on both sides of the game, the, the, you know, the back of the house and the front of the house, they see it as a, uh, it's an opportunistic game. But there's, artisans are the last, you know, the last guard of, of, of traditional hip hop, you know? I think artists are the last representatives of conscience mind. Let me explain what I mean first, because I want to like be clear when I say this. Nina Simone said it is the artist or musician's duty to make music that reflects the times that they live in. That's one. It's a theory I heard Steve Harvey say that said that you know a people by the music that they create. The third thing I want to put up is this. Music is the documentation of civilization throughout history. Right. When you get rid of the artists, you lose the documentation of who you are in history. Mm -hmm. Now, it could be music. In today's world, it's athletes as well. Mm -hmm. um, perspective question. If it wasn't for hip hop, do you think people would have the audacity, the heart, or the gall to make songs like Kiss of Judas? Huh. I think, I, th I don't know if it would be a song in a song form. I think people would have the heart and the audacity to speak of people that have betrayed them in a, in a, in a tragic manner. But I think that uh, it did give me the platform. It, it gave me the courage and the platform and the ability and the skill hip hop did as far as me interacting with the culture. Gave me all those things, those tools to be able to bring something like that forth. Without hip hop, I don't think, I may have wrote a story about a Bible 
story. You know, I wrote a book about the Bible or analyzed the Bible in written form, but the way that I express it now, making the beat and writing the rhyme and performing the song and recording the song and doing a video, all that's thanks, all the mechanics of that are thanks to uh, this culture uh, that I have a tremendous amount of love for. I mean, it's, it's the closest thing to a religion that I've, I've been involved in probably since I've, I was born. I, w- I would agree as such, because if it wasn't for hip hop, I don't think I would have been spiritually inclined at all. I mean, I'm going to give a shot, give respect to my um my ancestors, like my grandmother and them, because they took me to church with them, but I wasn't a church person. Right. And I remember being in elementary school and I was asking people, why, why all the devils are black and all the angels white? And where's black people in heaven? And the one person they taught us was St. Martin de Porres, which means St. Martin of the poor. And his, his miracles was he was able to levitate, teleport, and he made a cat, rat, and a dog get out the same dish. And I'm like, poverty was his gift? Hey, come on, yo, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But if it wasn't for, like you said, KRS-One, you must learn. Even Rakim with the ghetto, when he talked about being a sperm and doing it to the egg, those things were deeply profound to me. Yeah. You know? Um, And it took until the 90s for me when I really started venturing out and branching out my own train of thought. I was still trying to find myself, you know? Wu-Tang was what it was for my generation probably yours too, that really opened up the floodgates of thought. Because when you hear, um, why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Why did Judas grab the Romans while Jesus slept? You know what I'm saying? Or you hear something like, um, chop off your head and put it at the top of an evergreen bush. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Really? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like you start understanding that the, the scariest most profound hip hop group were deep brothers who had intelligence as well. No doubt. How did Wu-Tang affect you? And, how, and did that, did they help? Did they not only help, did they broaden your horizon to be the, the MC you are today? I think with, with um, was first and foremost, I would like to say that I was uh, blessed to have uh, Fruquan, uh, the gatekeeper of Gravediggers on my upcoming second release, which is coming out next quarter. And uh, and I'm doing an EP, I'm producing an EP for My Lansky of Wu Syndicate. That's gonna be coming up soon. That's too. my guy, salute to My Lansky. Yeah, <laughs> he's dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's dope. Him and Joe Mafia. Um, but, Joe Mafia is uh, dope, Wu Syndicate salute. Yeah, but as far as Wu-Tang, the, the way they hit, right? When they, when they uh, showed up on the scene, it was perfect for me because I remember there's a there's a, a interview interlude on the first album, uh, Wu Tang Enter the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers, where they're like on the radio and, and Raekwon's like, you know, I know a lot of people are waiting to hear this because you know I've been waiting to hear this and that's exactly how I felt because I grew up on Kung Fu Cinema with my pops watching that on the weekend. I grew up with militant hip hop with with a black conscious uh, flavor and I grew up with uh, you know street rap too. So that was all together in one. And you throw in a little bit of philosophical, you know, stuff on top of that too, dealing with the the Asian martial arts and what have you, and it's just the perfect blend. So yeah, it influenced me greatly uh, because I had a lot of elements I was already exposed to uh, before Wu Tang, so it, it it was right on time. And uh, since then, I, I've had the uh, the honor of working with, as far as either on stage or or uh, in uh, recording, with uh, some of those affiliates of that movement. So that makes you a killer B. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go as far. Well, I 
the late, the late, God bless the dead, Papa Wu, uh, was had a movement called uh, Universal Killer Bees. I don't know if it's 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 still active. Nabi Reality is is uh, this this cat uh, Nabi Reality is running it, but he basically told me he wanted to be a part of the Universal Killer Bees. That's before mm-hmm. he passed. So I got that. I saved that message, you know. So that means that's very impactful to me because he's the mentor of you know the clan. Mm-hmm. So I would I wouldn't I don't really popularize popularize it or put it out there that me being a killer bee, but because there's a lot of people that claim it that aren't really down, you know. But uh, I will say in in spirit and in my heart, I, I would say that I would claim that. Well, that's an important thing because if you find that the elder and the and uh, and the, and the um, influence one of the teachers co-signed you, then it is what it is. Nobody can say anything. You know what I'm saying? And you and you actually um have an influence type song on the album. Um, let me go to it. The altar, the altar is this deep song. Tell me about the altar because Solomon Childs went in on that one, and and I, and I and I really want you to talk about how important the altar is and why make a song where the altar is the point of reference for for um the sorry the Messiah complex or what an MC goes through. That's that's cleansing the temple. That's letting out your frustrations. That's the fight at the club when you're doing a show. That's what that is. That's cleansing the temple. You know, you turned my father's house into a den of thieves. That was just letting off some steam. <laughs> the altar's dope. Um, the thing it. about the thing about the altar is, you know, you got the um the desolation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then if you really look at the history, the altar was not a finely cut stone. It was rocks put together where the offering was given. It was street. It was hood. It was not refined. It was something that just was. And right. the altar, they say your body is your temple. That means your body is your altar as well. No doubt. And unfortunately, things get put into our bodies that alter our altars. Think about that. When it comes to an MC and the complex it takes to be an MC, it seems like the MC always fights with, am I dope or am I not? But today, that's not even the question. The question is, am I being heard or am I being listened to? What's more important to you, to be heard or to be listened to? I think that, you know, all of us want exposure, but the most important is, is who's who's grasping at some understanding of what you're saying, especially if you have some depth, you know? And, and that's the spirit of hip hop that's missing is depth. Mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to all the MCs who still do story raps because depth is what keeps the art alive. I don't care if you're rapping about going through it with your woman, your man, you're um, losing a job. Coogee Rap made on the run. One of the best story rhymes ever. You know what I'm saying? That's my vote for the greatest of all time. Coogee yes, Rap is your greatest of all time? Yep, he is. Hey, man, I, I, who, could, who could argue you down and say you can go wrong? Nobody can, you know what I'm saying? You know, but in that aspect, and, and understanding that, the story rhyme was the pattern of what made you an MC in the past. Do you think that has changed today where oh. we, we have a new understanding of what an MC is where people don't even cipher freestyle, kick it off their head or, or, or celebrate the culture by being together and doing things together anymore? No, I think uh, it's just like, you know, when we grew up, right? 
I'll tell you an epiphany I had, an awakening I had. When we grew up, we watched like cartoons like Transformers and G.I. Joe and stuff like that, right? Yeah. We would enjoy the characters and the stories and the action. Yeah. And then I had an epiphany one day where I, I realized that this was just a half hour commercial to sell me toys. Right. And that's what the music is. It's 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 a marketing campaign of sales. It's not music sales, it's selling the personality, and the personality is empty. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just products, products, it, products, products. But isn't that will broken? Because, and that's why I'm, I, I love doing Heritage Hip Hop. Heritage Hip Hop was not built to me to do interviews. It's to give people their flowers and, tell, and have people from my state tell their story. Cause so mm -hmm. many people pass away and we don't hear their stories. And I think today's MCs or artists or rappers, no, not the MCs, the rappers, they don't have a story. There is no depth. I mean, you could twerk all day. I'm not mad at it. I like booties too. Look, everybody likes to look at a booty every now and then. But besides that, you got to wash your ass sometimes and you go home to something. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, people don't talk about that enough. We'll, 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 we'll put up a party song because music is supposed to be entertaining. Yeah. But there's also something called the blues. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. The whole genre. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I think hip hop is so special and why your album is very hip hop and not rap. Because hip hop is the only genre that's alive. Let's think about that for a second. The blues is something you can feel, but it doesn't live because you're not always in the blues. Right. Rhythm and blues is a state of action, but that's not something that you live all the time. Right. Hip hop though, can be how you express your rhymes, your art, your wordplay, style of dress, praise, worship, economics. It takes a whole different lifestyle. And then we get to the spiritual part of hip hop that's bastardized. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about this quote? And the quote is this, when hip hop found religion, if it turned itself into the devil's playground. When hip hop found religion, it turned itself into the devil's playground. Hmm. That's deep. I can see how hip hop could be considered the, the devil's playground because of, uh, I mean, if you look, if you look at the breakdown of, of what's glorified uh, currently, what's hot, you know, it's mm -hmm. nothing but, destruction on a platter it's it's uh it's sexy uh destruction <laughs> sexy destruction that that is that is very interesting wow so i i could see that i could align that with something akin to a uh a devil's playground you know because it's like it's like it's hurtful it's harmful you know to a lot of people you know because all of us well most of us have been through harmful situations at one point or another whether it be arguments or fights or even some of us have witnessed or been in shootouts you know, so it's like we know that those things are things we want to stay away from. If you're if you're sane, <laughs> you know, we don't want to glorify those things and run headlong into those things. You know, but uh, so somehow the industry tells us that those are beautiful, fun things that we need to have more of because they're entertaining. Religion is nothing but tradition, though. Religion has nothing to do with God, and that's why it hit me hard because when hip hop turned into traditionalized things, that's when people came in and tried to take it over. You right, know what right. I'm saying? And right. it got corporatized. 
-hmm. And corporations said, God, we don't need God in hip hop. So that's why the RZA doesn't make albums too much anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why KRS-One is on his 28th album and people don't even know he has 28 albums. You know? Ah, you're back. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. I got muted. I can't hear you. All right, hold up. Can you hear me? No. All right, hold up. I hear you now. Okay, okay. All right. So Sorry, I got. No, nah, it's great, man. Look, this is a great interview. How you like it so far? <laughs> I'm digging it, bro. I mean, I love the, the breakdown. Tell that you uh you did your homework and you you know you're 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 a hip hop head, man. You're intellectual with it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of us out here, but once again, when hip hop turned to religion, the devil came out to play. And with that devil, it's like, let's have more fun because they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It seems like let's have all the fun and talk about the nonsense all you want, but there's people out here who really love hip hop, who want to show the, the intelligence and eloquence of an MC. They forgot about the sacrifice part. This cipher right here of sacrifice. Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't. Forget about that. We ain't get there yet. <laughs> but since you brought it up, talk about it. <laughs> the sacrifice is that life isn't a party. And the sacrifice is that when your homie gets killed, it's not a fun or cool thing. It's not to be glorified. It's not a movie. It's 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 a community, community crippling event that affects a lot of people. And the shockwaves are felt uh, years after. So I don't, you know, like I myself personally mm. in my own mind can understand how we allow uh, people that, that don't care about the culture to uh, manipulate and propagate, you know, images and I mean, and go right along with it, you know, but I mean, it is, it is what it is. No, I could see it because our people are so confused with what's good, what's not, because good and bad is mind things. That's not a spiritual thing. You know what I'm saying? We focus on so much of the good and bad, and we don't know what's good or bad, that the righteousness is lost within it. Like, take for example, I don't know about you, I used to love Tupac. I was a big Tupac yeah, fan. Definitely, yeah. I was a Tupac fan. When Hit Em Up and all that stuff came out, I was not a Tupac fan anymore. Yeah, he, he took a step back on that All Eyes on Me, man, because he was, he was in jail, in prison, and he was trying to get out, and he wanted to jump at that opportunity to sign so he could get out. And and in in return for that, he he went the route. It was like a, a a backward step, you know, as far as you know, his mature one of his most mature. I think his mature album, most mature album to me was uh, "Me Against, Against the World. World." Yeah, no doubt. But see, that's not why he lost me. I think Tupac is one of the greatest album artists of all time. Period. Yeah. But what lost me is our people made me not like him because people focused on the negativity so much, they did right. not talk about his eloquence until he died. Right. That's what pissed me off about people and why I had to take a sabbatical away from hip hop for a while. You know? Yeah. Like even with Biggie, with, with Biggie passing away, I don't like to put, I don't even want to put Biggie and Tupac together too much anymore because that's a whole nother in, in conversation. But even when like, What's, a, what's, a, what's another one? DMX just passed away. I loved the eulogy his ex-wife gave him as opposed to people talking about me and X used to rob people in the street and da-da-da, you know what I'm saying? Right, because right. it seems like 
the negative part about his life is something that you always say and be like, yeah, he was real. As opposed to the message he put out and the life that he lived. Right. Why do you think it's important for hip hop to always stay alive and be living than just turn itself into a genre that came out of a culture? Well, I think, uh, first of all, that, that what you said about, you know, a person's shortcomings, like we're, we're not, the worst part of us doesn't represent who we are. And a lot of people don't, they, they find glory in the wrong things. They think it's glorious. You know, it's like, uh, there's this thing about people that I'm sure you've dealt with and I've dealt with about this thing, uh, about the, the crime rates and the murder rates. It's like, it's almost like a game, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, so-and-so, who, what's the crime? What's the murder capital? And like, it's like, everybody's trying to see who's the murder capital. Like it's like, it's fun or cool or something. You know, I think hip hop has to remain a living, breathing craft by being infused with with life and messages that that help people, you know, and 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 uplift people. And you can do that and still move to it, you know. It's like it's think about the dignified music of like the what about the like the Harlem Renaissance, you know, what the dignity of it, the dignity of black people, you know, like instead of the buffoonery. And, 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 you know, just, just being what people expect of you, you know, there was a point in time, there still is, there are still people that excel, don't get me wrong, but it was more prevalent, I say, in the past where it was encouraged or it was appreciated to uplift yourself in the community. But it's like, now it's like depreciated, right? You're, it's, it's appreciated when you make yourself into the most predictable stereotype, <laughs> you know? The That's most predictable get. stereotype. That is deep. The most predictable stereotype. That's why hip hop is important. Because we could fight back words, phrases, and stigmas like that. Mm-hmm. I was talking to West Coast Cam, and he broke down the Nation of Islam to me in a way I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. He said, your nation is your people. Mm-hmm. You are a member of the Nation of Islam, whether you want it or not because it it is a nation of peace and that was what our people always was mind blown yeah right then i look at hebrew israelites mm-hmm. what's your nationality brother will you da, 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 da. but the essence of it was find out who you are in the eyes of the most high right i mean some of them are full of shit. i mean i'm gonna keep it real with you <laughs> Just like some churches are full of shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like some yeah. some masjids may be full of shit. You know, I haven't really gone to them to know. I've experienced Hebrew Israelite churches and churches with Christians and Pat and Baptists, so I could talk about that more fluently. You know what I'm saying? Right. But that's the essence of it is to come back to the Most High, basically. Definitely. Hip hop was the essence of coming back to life, peace, love, unity, and having fun. Definitely. Even today, we have people who want to bring hip-hop back to peace, love, unity, and having fun. Mm -hmm. And it seems like we get lost. How does that relate to the song, The Sun? And shout out to my mom, my man, Infinite Seven Mind. Salute to my brother out there. Prosper, bro. But tell me about The Sun and how that goes with that. The song, The Sun, was like you said at the beginning of the interview about Braggadocio was, was a, the spirit of hip hop, right? So while it starts with a, uh, with a quote that talks about uh, basically uh, 
the sun cults, the the Roman sun cults, mm-hmm. kind of the Christianity pulling a lot from that. Mm-hmm. The whole spirit of that song is braggadocio due to the chorus, you're you're shooting arrows at the sun. And that's mm-hmm. the part of the Messiah complex, because that crown of thorns also represents represents the sun. Crown a crown and that's what they call the the sun, the light of the sun. So I was put we were putting ourselves in a in a position of Messiah, a lyrical messiah in that song. You know, pretty much. It was just braggadocio and just just spitting. That's how we was getting down, I guess, on that one. But it perfectly fits, does it not? No doubt. Yeah. Perfectly fits. And for everybody who needs a history lesson, if you didn't see Judas and the Black Messiah, what did they say? The number one most dangerous thing that can happen to America is if the America gets a Black Messiah. And yeah, yeah. that's why the real MCs have always been hit listed on the FBI watch. So like Chuck D, KRS One, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Even now, with Chuck D still being active and influencing people like LeBron James, LeBron James is now under investigation for a tweet that he put out <laughs> and they want the NBA to get that man suspended so they can lock him up or something like that. Right, right. Amazing. It's crazy, man. I mean, you, you can see that there's a, there's some agents out there that are, uh, their main goal is to suppress information and to make sure that certain messages don't get out. But where are the agents to suppress uh, the destructive uh, messages that are sent to our children? <laughs> oh, yeah, they're in the cartoons now. <laughs> Remember, the cartoons used to be... Um, the messages are the um, <laughs> alternate lifestyles and violence, it seems. Yeah, I mean, you know, like to me, I think that the 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 the, the rap game is the new cartoons. They turn our lives into cartoons. All the shootings are cartoons. Get over it. Okay, somebody else got killed. Like people are waiting. Who's gonna get killed next? We have become the cartoon, the buffoon cartoon. Like, not me and you, but the culture. Not our culture, but the the publicly viewed version of the culture. Because we lie, we lie in the you know the underground the visible part of of this nation, the visible, most visible part of this nation is not necessarily uh, doing justice to the hidden aspects. Can you give me one second, please? No doubt. Okay, hold on. Sorry for that. It's all good. It's not, but you know, it is what it is. We're going to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? All right. So 
Don't worry, this is all pre-recorded. It's gonna be cut up anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's pick up. The thing that bothers me most about hip hop right now is hip hop is in, I think, the slavery stage. Mm. Sticky Fingers once said on one of his albums, if history repeats itself, your destination is a plantation. Mm. And the plantation seems to be work. <laughs> Nobody right. wants to go to work. Everybody wants to ask, how did coronavirus change your life? And da, 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 da. look, people realize that they need other means of making income. Some people realize staying home and not having to go to work feel, it actually feels good. <laughs> but it actually showed people how their pockets are being suppressed in many ways. Right. right. And the new plantation in music seems to be the streaming service. I always tell people in Heritage Hip Hop, we do not believe in streaming. We believe in downloading and purchasing. Right, right. Legal downloads, by the way. Right. <laughs> so in the age of the streaming service, how do you keep yourself out there and know that people can get your music, but you also put yourself out there, I guess, through marketing and promotion to let people know that you have something out and to come here and listen to, you, to your music? I just, I rely on uh, social media, to be honest, man. Like social media, I use it for, I might have a political opinion every now and then, post up some news or a death of a celebrity or someone that's loved by, you know, the community. Uh, but mostly it's about music to me. I don't, you know, I don't participate in the, uh, all the personal uh, back and forth on social media. I try to avoid that, you know. So that's my main tool of, of promotion at this point. Uh, Besides, it used to be live performances. I used to perform with a band before, you know, COVID hit. So that kind of got, we're about to do a streaming show together uh, June 5th, I think, June 5th. So I'm getting back with the band. So, I mean, that was the main way of promotion was online and just going out and doing shows, booking shows. Yeah, everything's starting to open up now. So I wish you much success on bringing divine therapy to hip-hop music and hip-hop culture appreciate it bro so with that being said everybody thank you for watching heritage hip-hop with uh Karev and Makaba. but we're not done because Makaba got to get the hard questions <laughs> we had some we had the question to answer now it's time to have some fun we're about to get into the rapid fire questions before we get into the rapid fire questions let everybody know once again your name and your social media so they can follow you my name is Makaba, and the most important uh, social media platform for me is darkagesmusic.bandcamp.com. That's my okay. catalog of music. And also uh, messiah-complex.com if you want to go directly to the album. It's on vinyl. It's on CD. There's also T-shirts available. All that. All right. I'm feeling it. So with that being said, let's start the rapid-fire questions. The rapid-fire questions are not yes-no questions. These are questions designed to show the world who more of who you are, why they should invest in you and your understanding of the hip hop culture. You ready to begin? Sure. What song or album outside of your catalog perfectly describes you? Song or album outside of my catalog perfectly describes me. Let me think about this one. This one is a tough one, let's see. Well, outside of my catalog. Hmm. Let's say 
trying to think. I might go with I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking Killer Priest. I'm thinking Heavy Mental. And I'm thinking what song am I thinking here? Uh, I would say when it comes to me as a, as a, as a as a focused person that's trying to push through and and trying to get things done, whether it be anything, any kind of project, from like building a a uh, bookshelf to writing a song, I would say maybe Whack MCs by by Killer Priest because that braggadocio factor is is almost like the reins on the vehicle, you know, like, you know, if Merkaba is the vehicle, then the reins is the braggadocio or rap. So it wouldn't be really a, a content necessarily content driven song. That would be me describing myself. It would be more so just go like rap, you know, but be dope at it, you know? And I think that priest in that song, he's just, he's just spitting, you know, over that beat, fourth disciple beat. And I think that that's a good, that vibe right there, I think is, is a good representation at this moment in time. If you ask me that question, I think that's a good one. So many rappers want to be actors. Oh, to slap yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. How about Shimbrockin' but Heavy Mental? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's one of that's a classic album that nobody gives respect yeah. to too much. That is a classic album. Classic, classic. If y'all don't know about Killer Priest Heavy Mental, do your homework. That's a classic. Yeah. I told him that when I met him one time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Saluted him and everything. That, that's a class. Oh my God, that album's so dope, though. Yeah. Because it was mental. It's a really mental album. Exactly what he said, and he delivered. You know. No doubt. Um, my next question is: You bring back a lot of the most important messaging when it comes to the internal each internal man that affects the eternal man. Mm-hmm. What are the top five influential songs in hip hop history to you? Top five influential songs, I would say The Message is one of them. All right, that's, that's um, uh, Grandmaster Flash in The Furious Five. Yeah. I would say, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. I would say, um, I'm gonna throw you a curveball on this one. I would say, I would say, I would say Stand by Eminem. That yeah, that's a curveball. We'll talk about that because <laughs> that that coined that coined a, a term in the hip hop lexicon that many people use to this day. Stan, that's a dicey song though. <laughs> I mean, have you seen what that song came about? Came from what? What's that? That was his band member who he never answered on on, on the internet, and he killed himself. No, I didn't know about that. Story. Look at the untold story of Detroit hip hop on, on Amazon Prime. Amazon, I want, I want some um, sponsorship. <laughs> Check that out. <laughs> no, but uh, okay. Stan, I got okay. More. I got That's, three more. You got three uh, more. Streets of New York, Cool G Rap. Oh Ooh. my God. <laughs> a bag lady dies in the alleyway. She saw the last of the days inside the subway. That's Ooh. a great, yo. That song made Cool G Rap great to me right there, yo. And I heard that. What's the credits on that song for the producer? I don't know. That I but don't I know. Heard that- I heard Large Professor was actually the person that, that that put that together, but he didn't get the credit for it. But let's hey, let's look it up. Uh, okay, so now I got two more. I got yep. uh, let's see, let me think, let me think, let me think. Who was God? Rakim. That's a great. That's a great song. Um, and the last one. Let's think. Let's think. Um. Fire and Earth, uh, X Clan. 
You better. That's interesting. Fire Earth as well as the second album. Exodus. My nation. Yeah, that's my nation is protected by some pole black niggas. That one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, Large Professor and Anton Anton Pukshansky and La, uh, Kuji Rap oh, himself are the producers of that. Okay, he did get the credit. Yeah, so yeah, that's what it say. All right, so we got the top five most influential songs in hip hop from you. Stan is a deep one. I, I really want to. Um, wow, yeah, because it, it sparked a new. Hey, it sparked a new um, coin term, right? Like Erica Badu did Tyrone, right? So I mean, hey, why not? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My next question is this. Hip-hop lost its way when we stopped doing remixes. Yeah, well. The remix kept songs alive. The remix gave songs extra power, and it brought different takes on the song. Right. So as a hip-hop fan, I'm going to ask you, what's the greatest hip-hop remix of all time? Oh, man. Uh, well, they say the Pete Rock's remix of Shut Em Down is pretty... Uh, Top pretty five. Good. That's God level right there. Yeah, I think. Uh, and then you got uh, trying to think of a remix that was a whole different song, like because uh, that happened a lot in hip hop. You know, mm -hmm. I might have to roll with that with that uh, with that Chuck D. Uh, I mean, that Public Enemy shut him down. P Rock one. You can't go wrong with that. That's a great man, yo. Public Enemy from from the Bomb Squad to the newest hottest producer, and he took them to like you know what I'm saying. Right, right. I mean, look, shut up. We always talk about shut them down. We never talk about the Night Train remix. Oh, Chuck yeah. D and CL Smooth together was dope. You know what I'm saying? Salute to you. All right. My next question is this: Too many people have songs with other people. One thing I did enjoy about your project: you don't have a person on every song with you. Right, right. I respect the fact that you love yourself enough to say that you could carry a damn song by yourself. Thank you, right. brother. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there has been songs where the um people have a feature artist uh -huh. and they steal the song from the main artist, right? Right. Uh -huh. What's the best feature or guest 16 in hip hop history to you? Oh man, that's hard. One popped into my head. That's AZ on uh Life's a Bitch, but I mean You think he stole a song from Nas? I mean, it's dope, man. I mean <laughs> I like AZ, man. I'm an AZ fan. Man. Yeah, salute AZ. He's one of the best. Hands down. But yeah, you're right. He Maybe he didn't steal it from him. It's just a legendary song. No, know? but I mean, if that's your answer, that's your answer, though. No, I don't think that is. You made me rethink it, man. Let me let me see. Uh-oh. Don't, don't blame me. Yes, <laughs> uh, uh, I can't. Let me see. Hmm. Stole the show. That's what the that's what the premise yep. is. Yeah. When you heard them on the song, you was like, yo, whoever oh. that is, that's my favorite part of the song. Man, I can't even think. I might I might have to just roll with that, even though I, I see your perspective. But I really like AZ's verse on that, even though you know, born damn 20 is the blessings of adolescence. I mean, Nas killed it, of course. But, he you know, did. But that's that's a major debate because I heard from some people that AZ had the best verse on the album. <laughs> so I like AZ, man. Yeah, AZ's great, man. Did you I met, if you, him, once. I met him once? You're you're AZ fan. Did you hear the um 36 
was it 36 seasons by Ghostface? Yeah, definitely. He was all over that. Him and I think G Rap was on like Didn't they kill that? That was one of the, I think that's a borderline almost classic album. Yeah, man. That's that's one of them albums that you be like, oh I can say it, but I can't because you know what I'm saying? Right. 36 seasons is classic to right. me. I mean, but you know, some people are like, ah, but yo. You know that, what I was I thought of AZ after time. I thought he was like the middle point between Killer Priest and Fabulous. That's interesting. Why would you say that? And what makes you think that? Because he's got the conscious street element, the rugged side, and then he's got the, you know, the 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 fashion uh playboy side. You know what I'm saying? And it's Facts. all and he's like right in the middle. Facts. Salute. That's what I'm talking Thank about. You. I got three more questions for you, then we're gonna peel off of this interview and get a most high his glory and live our days. The third, the next the third to last question is this. If you could make your perfect dream song, who would who would feature with you if you had features? Who would do the beat dead or alive, no restrictions? Mm. <clears throat> Dilla beat ODB. That would be interesting. Okay. ODB. You gonna have him rhyme or yeah. you gonna have him do the hook? <laughs> I hear chaos. He'd have a verse and the hook. Mm. We do the hook together if we both have a verse. That would be chaos right there, because because the, of the 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 organized chaos of uh, of Dilla, you know, and ODB is already organized chaos. So I just think it would be it's ill. All right, hey man, that's 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 a working a work of art. Salute to Jay Dilla, rest in peace. Old Dirty, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. A sign unique, rest in peace. Let's put it like that. Okay. All right, Cyrus. Second to last question. I think. What, what do you think the best hip hop comes from? The best hip hop, which region? Yeah, where do you think the best hip hop comes from? Now, as far as representing the culture, I mean. Well, I mean, you know, the you know, this is one thing I say to people about like sometimes I've had people approach me like in my lifetime, I've had people approach me like I have an East Coast angle, I'm East Coast centric when it comes to hip hop. And I'm like, bro, that's called uh Mecca centric because that's where it started. And if you look back at like uh if you look at NWA, they had fat gold chains like, yo, word, word, yo, what's up, yo. They was talking just like New York because that's where the culture emanated from. So everybody that was being hip hop was being New Yorkish at one time. You know what I'm saying? So New York, is there a part, certain borough in New York that you think has I, I hip hop on lock? I was just saying the other day, man, like I think, I think, man, Brooklyn, I mean, Long Island is not, that's not a borough, but I think Brooklyn, has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of them, man. Dope MCs. I mean, you I, got my J. J. Rudy Damager, Most Def. I mean, Killer Priest, Biggie. I don't know. Daddy Kane. <laughs> yeah, Kane, of course, Kane. Yeah. All right, so I tend to agree with you, but not for the reasons that you said. Okay. The reason why I think Brooklyn leads the world and they're going to get challenged this next upcoming year, believe me. But I believe Brooklyn represents hip-hop in a way that's different. is because Brooklyn is the only place that had three MCs who were not connected connect for a song and make history. The Crooklyn Dodgers changed oh. the game for me because Master Ace, Special Ed, and um, who was the last one? Buckshot. There's no connection there. Hmm. 
Then OC, J. Rue, and Chub Rock, there's no connection there. And they represented where they're from to the point where it was a guaranteed bona fide hit. But nobody talks about Crooklyn Dodgers 3. I don't think it was that good either, but whatever. Gene Gray on that? Gene Gray, Memphis Bleak, or somebody else. Yeah, Mike Wonder did the beat. It was called Brooklyn on My Mind, I think, or something like that. But Crooklyn Dodgers is what set Brooklyn apart from the world. I want to ask you a question. Indiana, right? Yeah. If you could make a Crooklyn Dodgers with MCs from Indiana, who would you put on there and who would do the beat? Oh, man. Whoa. You talking about people that I know? I mean, the only person that really – I would be on it, and I would do the beat. <laughs> okay. Hey, talk about it. And I'd have to put uh, – I might put Freddie Gibbs on there. Okay. And uh, we talking about Indiana as a whole. Yeah. Man. Some of my people hear this, they might be mad at me depending on who I pick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, that's life. Get over it. <laughs> it would be one of my people. I would just say uh, I would I would throw a dart at a board and pick one of my one of my old school crew members to come through with me. Me on the beat, me rapping, and Freddie Gibbs and one of my one of my compadres from back in the day. So throw it out there to Freddie Gibbs. Let's make an Indiana something. <laughs> oh, man, Gibbs, Gibbs is on a ooh, on another level now. It doesn't matter. Do it for the state, Grammy. Do it for the state. It does not matter. I mean, I mean, and unfortunately, that's what happens to hip hop. People get accolades, and they and and they, and they don't go to what made them hot in the first place. So, yeah. he went to school well, here. He went to school in this town that where I live at. Hey, like I said, call him back. All state, like bro, hit, hit, hit them social medias. Hey, I'm with it. Come on, Gibbs. So. We're going to close out the interview once again. I'd like to thank Merkaba for coming on Heritage Hip Hop. Like I said, I hope this interview was um, fulfilling and, and, a, and, a, and a blessed thing because it's not only that we work to make sure we show the appreciation for the people on the um, platform. We have an open door policy because we're not bougie. If there's any projects you got coming out, anything that you want shown, hit Heritage Hip Hop, new interview, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We, we really believe in this culture and uplifting it. We celebrate our own. And we celebrate hip hop from New Jersey across the world. So you're always welcome to come back on the platform if you so see fit. That's much appreciated, bro. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And uh, and I will be back with some new projects. I just had a project drop actually a couple days ago. It's a compilation I put together. Scripts. Yeah, Scripts, volume one. Volume one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We ain't even talk about that. But, you know, I'll leave that for the next time. All right, all right. I wanted to focus on this album because this album is very complex and um, needed at the same time. That, you know, you got to work your brain sometimes or you're going to be a vegetable. You know what I'm saying? So my last question when it comes to this interview is this. One day, well, you talked about we're writing a book of life, right? Ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. And one day, somebody's going to come across your book. And they're going to be in a music hall of fame or something. They're going to be like, Macabre? I heard of Macabre. I know that from somewhere else. And da, 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 da. let me see what this is about. And they're going to push a red button and your hologram going to pop out like Iron Man, right? And then they're going to um, play your discography for them. Certain songs they like. 
And your music is going to be introduced to generations of generations of listeners. The most important question of my first interview is this. What is the legacy that you leave behind that made the world better because you did hip-hop music? I will say the world is better because Merkaba did hip-hop music because my contribution is from the heart and soul and the foundation of the culture. And it comes from a man that is a, a flawed man that is also a man striving for perfection, a man that is a hard worker, that's focused, that is a father, and that a person that is uh, trying to evolve each and every day and uh, bring a message of evolution uh, to people through music and, and make sure that I encourage others around me to empower themselves by being freely creative in their expressions. So with that, everybody, be creative and be truthful. Because at the end of the day, truth is what's going to separate you from people who are not truthful. What was, what's one of our favorite lines? I don't see that hardcore that you're thinking, that you're bringing. Maybe I'm dreaming. <laughs> not familiar. I can't feel you. Right. Be real with yourself and be real with your truth. Because at the end of the day, truth is what you're measured by. A liar is a person who's unhappy with themselves because they want you to believe the fantasy that they believe because they don't like themselves. Like yourself and you respect the world and the most high enough to give your true self and give your greatness and your talents and in your gifts. With that being said, this is Karev from Heritage Hip Hop with my man, Makaba El Shaddai. If you don't know what that means, do your homework. <laughs> with peace. that being said, we say peace and we out. Big up, big up. Thank you for watching our presentation. We ask that you subscribe to our YouTube family and hit the notification bell for updates. Please like, comment, and share this video. Real, real hip hop.